You'll know when you have a wild woman. She'll practice her craft without boundaries. She is truly autonomous. Her loyalty is only to the family she serves, a midwife who will not allow herself to be held back by a system she didn't create. This podcast is for the birth keepers who want to grow and change. We're open to learning through self-reflection and supportive community. We are creating this space to explore without judgment. We are remembering we were born wild. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Born Wild podcast. We're your hosts, Sophia and Allie. And um, everyone else is kind of dropping like flies. <laughs> we had an interview scheduled for today but we had to reschedule it. So um, we just figured we'd hop on here and give some updates. It's been a while, I think, since we've done an update um, and just see um, if we're actually gonna post this or not. <laughs> we have no idea what we're gonna talk about. Oh shoot, I have the key. Um, okay, so yeah, do you, let's start with Allie. Do you have any check-ins or do you want me to start? Um, check-ins. I guess, uh, how's life? Life is crazy and wild, but good. My kids, it's been a little dramatic with school for my kids, but I finally have them all in school this week, which is amazing. <laughs> one in one school and two in the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. Started uh, dating. It's been a little while. It's exciting. Yeah. How is your school? Actually, my school is going good. I finally have been like getting homework assignments done. And, that that uh, helps. <laughs> that helps feel like I'm moving forward in that. So yeah, it's good. Cool. I have like a laundry list of things that I wonder when I like wrote the first one down. First of all, forgive my cough. I've had a cough for like over a month now. Um, so I'm still trying to get 100% better. Um, I'm used to it, but yeah, else I'm no longer <laughs> sucking on cough drops to the point where my tongue feels like it's going to bleed. So that's good improvement. Um, yeah. So some of the notes I wrote down was I wrote down fundal massage and I can't even remember why I wrote that down. Maybe just to remind everyone that it's not necessary. So there's that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah what do you know about why is it not necessary it's just not <laughs> anything that is that painful is not necessary no I mean I have I can think of one time where I have done actual fundal massage and taught somebody how to do it because of bleeding other than that um we usually just don't even touch bellies mm-hmm. um unless we have a concern. Um, and our go-to is usually to like teach moms how to feel, um, feel what's normal. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just like one more way that some providers, um, make women feel like they're, they couldn't have done it without them. Um, it doesn't really seem optional in the hospital. No. Yeah. And, and I think too, if, if we have families that have birthed elsewhere, and then are birthing in our practice, there's this like, like either they go to like, oh, you don't have to do that. Like when they realize we're not going to, or they're like, 
I really don't want that unless it's necessary. They like feel like they have to advocate for themselves. And we're like, don't worry. You don't have to like fight us on that one. You know, like we don't, we don't really do that. Um, So yeah, that, it's a tool that should be used when necessary, but it, it shouldn't be this routine thing. And if it turns out a midwife is only doing it when necessary, but finds that she's doing it over and over and over again. It's like, okay, you need to reevaluate what you think is necessary because mm-hmm. I rarely ever do it. Um, yeah. So that's my fundal massage rant. And like, can we rename it massage? Like that just, it seems misleading. Fundal torture. Fundal poking. <laughs> fundal poke torture. That's what we're going to rename it. Um, I have another note that talks that is asking about advice for beginning midwives. Oh, I don't, again, I don't know why I wrote that down, but somebody must have like I'm asked curious. me Did something. Tell me something yeah. <laughs> Prevalent for you. Um, I'm going to think on that one. I'm going to come back to that one. Okay. Um, I have a fun story. Um, it's a story of triumph. Um, Leah and I were both at a birth. We tag teamed a birth. It was a private client of hers and she was with them. I don't know (laughs) for how long, but a long time. And she reached out to me because she recognized that she was not the midwife she was when she showed up. And that it was one of those births where it's like all hands on deck the whole time. There's no time for like, oh, I'll go rest while you give labor support and we'll tag team and we're all well rested. Like that's always our goal when we have a team. Mm -hmm. But it was like the whole team the whole time was on and everyone was petering out. And Leah was like, you know, I'm, I can't like think clearly anymore. I, I have no new ideas, you know, and this has been going on a long time. And, um, the baby is still really high. They'd been pushing for, couple hours and the baby was still really high. And so I came and, um, brought fresh energy and ideas and, um, Sophia to the rescue. (laughs) Well, just like, you know, if (laughs) I could have been in that situation, just like knowing that she had someone she could reach out to. And, and because she was like, I'm embarrassed to admit, but like, I'm thinking about transport, even though nothing's wrong. It's just that I'm petering out, you know? Um, and so it's such a, a benefit for our family is that we have this group practice. It's just like, it keeps reassuring me, like, this is such a good move because not only was, was I able to spell Leah, but I was able to give like new resources to this family um, and new energy so that they could keep going because they were clearly not ready to transpire. I mean, we didn't even bring it up, but um, they would have said so if they wanted to. Yeah. It Um, makes a huge difference. Yeah. And so we did a bunch of spinning babies and stuff like that. And um, she ended up pushing for 12 hours and she had her baby at home vaginally and it was all hands on deck. And, um, and she's um, a Kaiser nurse. And I remember afterwards I checked in with her, like, what was going through your head? You know, were you nervous for your baby? Were you scared? Were you thinking I can't do this? Um, were you like, like, just where were you? And she, I asked if she was ever considering transporting, like did it cross her mind? And she said, absolutely not. I was, it didn't even cross my mind to transport. I was not going in, which I think as a, a nurse speaks volumes. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, absolutely not. <laughs> so, and just like, you know, if we were following like guidelines or 
policies or standard of care, anything like she would have gone in, you know? Um, but nothing was wrong with her. Nothing was wrong, wrong with baby. And we just kept going and she was willing and to keep going. And, um, and since then I've heard through the birth, like, you know, birth network that there was another mom who pushed for about 12 hours at home, Mm -hmm. ended up transporting. And I don't know what hospital, I don't know the whole story, but pushed for another 10 hours at the hospital and had her baby vaginally 22 hours. Wow. Amazing. Right now. Yeah. 22 hours. So, but it's just like, it just like broadens our scope of what's possible and what normal can right. look like. And not this whole like two to three hours or even five hours or whatever that like, Oh, well, if it doesn't happen, it's not going to happen. You right. know, it's like, as long as baby and mom are okay. And like, she wants to keep going. And, and how resilient they and, are. Yeah, the babies can oh handle that. yeah. That was the other thing I was just like, oh God, like, please come out and be good, you know, when you come out. And she, that baby just came out crying and reassured everyone. And it was so mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and I remember being like, okay, I'm biased towards chiropractic. Everyone who follows this should know <laughs> that by now, but I let everyone know, but I'm like, there was a, like a lot of manipulation, like vaginally to try to like make space for this baby, which if anyone knows me, I'm very hands-off, but, uh, this felt very needed and necessary and um just trying to like put pressure on the vagina where the head would be if the head was down lower and like just little by little the baby would navigate down I think somebody had once called it like finger forceps but but I was just it was mainly on the no it was like mainly (laughs) on the mom's left side if I put my fingers just inside her vagina and just put pressure on the left side of her vagina the baby would just like tiny bit moved down and it was just like over hours of doing you know all that off and on the baby navigated down um but so I was like obviously baby was like asynclinic you know and I was like chiropractic you know mm-hmm. like those babies might do well with that and I was like and you should consider it too you know like she hadn't had chiropractic in her pregnancy but I was like all you know, this labor was so long. Right. Um, and so the whole family was seen and it was so great. And um, the Cairo, <laughs> I saw her one day and she was like, dad needs it more than mom <laughs> and baby need it. <laughs> so the whole family is getting put back together. It's a rough experience. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was beautiful um, to witness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what else do I have on my list? Um, Yeah, there's just been like a lot of loss floating around in my life. Um, I have a client that Leah and I witnessed their son be born two and a half years ago. And during this last big storm, um, a tree fell on their home in Occidental and he was killed. Um, And so I just went this weekend to his ceremony of life and it was just like, just amazing and maybe a lot of people say that but the the piece that was amazing to me is how the family was willing to like walk up in front of everyone and share their whole process and like how they were able to just like confess like the that the first night they just cried and talked and told each other secrets that they had never told each other things they had lied about to each other or just like just like broke their relationship down to like bedrock 
and then decided to come back together and like be stronger together. And, you know, the, like the pastor at the ceremony, ceremony of life was like, I walked with a lot of people who have lost um, children and it either leads you to like suicide depression and like destroys your relationship and you know your yeah. life yeah or he sees this where you know it brings them closer together and I was just it would just felt like this like honor to witness them and when she was pregnant they had gotten married but hadn't had like a big um ceremony and so they like redid their vows and got married in front of everyone and wow. it was just like yeah so I mean obviously touching but just like those extra things were just like so beautiful to witness and mm -hmm. um how old was he he was two and a half yeah um so yeah just like little reminders that nothing's guaranteed and just like you know just keep living your life to the fullest and mm -hmm. um and then I recently supported a family through a second trimester loss. Um, they decided to have their baby at home. And, um, you know, as hard as it was, it went luckily and gratefully as smooth as it could be. You know, a couple hours of labor, um, some pushing and um, placenta came without issue, which is usually one of the biggest concerns that I was reading about. Um, is uh, there can be like high incidence of retained placenta. Um, so we just kind of had a plan in place. Like, you know, um, my research that I did was ideally within a half hour, it comes out, <clears throat> which, you know, is just standard for all placentas. Mm -hmm. um, but they even, it was even saying like up to four hours it could take. Um, and so we had just kind of said that we would really keep an eye on her bleeding and, you know, make decisions as they went about the placenta, but it came out within a half hour and she had hardly any blood loss and felt, I mean, physically really good. And mm -hmm. so just been, you know, supporting her through this. Um, it's just like a first for me personally. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's just like the losses at each stage. It doesn't, like, it doesn't matter if it was, like, earlier than someone else's loss. It's still, you know, she held her baby and it was her baby. Still a loss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I wrote down that wasn't that bad birth. <laughs> <laughs> and I know exactly what birth that was. <laughs> Allie and I went to a birth where we just barely made it. <laughs> um, second time mom. Uh she had actually decided partway through her care to end care and decided to go back to the hospital. She, uh, I, I, if my memory is right, it was about like that they have midwives at the hospital. And we're just trying to save money right now. And I was like, totally understand. No problem. Um, and then I saw her maybe a month or so later and she decided to come back. <laughs> um, she said, you just had the best hug when you hugged me. And <laughs> she had one Aww. appointment and was like, no, I'm not going back there. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was so glad that she had her baby. Um, the baby's head was out for about six minutes before the rest of the body came. And then he took about four minutes to breathe. Um, and I remember in that moment thinking like, this is why I'm here because, you know, people were checking in with me, like, should we get him out? Like, is it okay? Mm -hmm. And, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's, 
I mean, other than getting to witness a birth, because it's amazing and beautiful. Right. Like, I want to be there for the reassurance, like to just give him his time to come out on his own, give him his time to take his first breath. There's no rush. There's no emergency versus families maybe feeling panicked because of expectations of what birth should look like and how quickly babies should be born or breathe or. Right. Um, well, especially the partner. I mean, he yes. kind of looking at you like, like why isn't this baby okay. breathing? And he even said, like, even with my reassurance, he was like, oh, I want this baby to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's always just so relieved once the baby starts crying. But um, mm-hmm. but really, if nothing is wrong and the baby is continually to look better versus, like, get worse, you know, just, and the cords attached and pulsing, like, the, there was no difference of that baby outside and not breathing from when he was inside and not breathing, you know, mm-hmm. other than not being in water, <laughs> right. you know, that like nothing has changed other than he's on the outside. Like, mm-hmm. so if, I mean, if the, cor- the placenta is out, cord is flat and white, there's right. no, like, then, you know, he should be breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as that's going, like there's yeah. no difference, you know, we weren't panicked for nine months, <laughs> you know, that he wasn't taking a breath. Like we can give him four more minutes. Right. Um, the design works well. It does. It really does. It was kind um, of miraculous that we made it to that birth. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't. We won't talk about um, how quickly <laughs> I was driving. Uh, not allowed to talk about that anymore. <laughs> um, but anyways, she after ga- she gave birth, she said, "Oh, that wasn't that bad." Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that." Well, and they had talked prenatally. It was like pregnant, like two babies. Uh huh. Yeah. And then when she said that, you know, I know I was like, "Uh oh, oh, you're having more." <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, another thing I wanted to talk about is recently I um, I'm coming to the conclusion that maybe I should get AAA because <laughs> <laughs> my car is a little. It's not even old. I was gonna say it's a little bit older, but it's just I. She's been well used. I use her well. Yeah, she's <laughs> thoroughly loved, but. Um, but maybe I need to like slow down a little bit and not even talk about like how quickly I drive or anything, but just like recently I took a corner too tight, <laughs> hit a curve, popped my tire. I was like, mm. you're an idiot. Sophia. Why'd you do that? Um, and it was at night and so I got it towed, but I wasn't going to be able to get it fixed till the morning. And normally I'd be like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I have to like get all this stuff out of my car. I got to mm. like get it into my husband's truck. If I get called to a birth, he won't be able to go to work if I have his truck Mm -hmm. and it's going to cost me $50 every mile, you know, to get where I'm trying to get to. Right. But instead I just called Leah, said, pop my tire. Can you take call? She's like, yeah, no problem. So she was on call until the morning. And then I was like, Hey, my tires better. And it was just like such a relief for me just to know, like, I didn't have to panic. I didn't need to stress about all this. Nobody went to labor, but if they did, you got it covered yeah, somebody's going to show up. Um, and so it was just like one more win for this, um, partnership that we're doing. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, I think we should chat about this, the birth center. Cause okay. that's kind of been a big thing. Yeah. If you want to just for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, maybe give like brief, brief what we know about it yeah so the Santa Rosa birth center is now only supporting hospital birth 
So they are offering prenatal postpartum care while women stuff at the Santa Rosa Birth Center, but all the births starting this month, February, um, will be at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a huge change for our community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially like the birth center as a whole did a lot of medical, like they accepted medical insurance and um, was a really awesome option for a lot of people. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And we, we like, we sat on a panel of experts to talk about it. Um, and it made so much sense why they were making this shift. You know, Elizabeth had kind of said, how financial yeah how they're not making more money than they were 10 years ago but um there's you know spending more like it costs more everything costs more Mm -hmm. and they were also having a hard time like because of the financial stuff not being able to pay the midwives what they deserve and having a hard time keeping yeah they said the turnover is really high so yeah and they're just kind of they're they feel like this is a a good Mm -hmm. yeah the only thing that we felt could have been um handled maybe differently um was giving families more heads up um you know like I know Thrive is closing the other birth center um and they're saying you know in five months um so maybe there could have been a transition where you know anyone who joins care after this date will be delivering in the hospital um, with our support and we're like grandmothering everyone else in who's already part of right care. that we're planning to have their birth yeah I think that was the hardest part was families were just like I'm due now or right. you know in two weeks or eight weeks or whatever and they were All just scrambling their plans are completely changed yeah too. and like even if somebody's insurance does reimburse for home birth like if that was something they decide to do, they still have to come up with costs up front, you know? Um, so and it's stressful to be forming a relationship with a midwife yes. that you're planning to birth with and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden realize like, yeah, yeah, I got to find someone else or what am I doing? Yeah, so that was kind of, that's kind of been the biggest news in our community mm-hmm. lately. Um, we had our family gathering recently, our spring gathering. We have gatherings every three months. Um, and it was really great. We had somebody do massage and we had some snacks there. I would say my favorite part was watching my kids start to play with kids that I watched be born. You know, it's just so sweet to, to see them. Special. Yeah, yeah. It was really, really cute. Um, and like, um, my son, I had brought him to a first birthday party for, um, a baby I had watched be born. And, um, at the birthday party he like wanted to sing happy birthday but he was like but I want like everyone's attention like he wanted to do it on his own and he sang and somebody drummed and it was great but like since since that every time he's at a family gathering with with this child Uh he like gravitates towards him you know Uh and he's like walking holding his hand and um even though he's like you know one and a half and my son's seven it's like his little buddy you know yeah it's really cute Mm mm-hmm um, so we're looking forward to the the next one. When is the next one? Oh, actually, so this one was the winter gathering. So the next one's spring. Okay. It's in April. Yeah. Um, our stats for the year. I wrote that down. Let me try to pull it up. That's exciting. 
<laughs> yeah, so it was still my private practice in 2022, but I wrote down a couple stats. So 35% of my families were first-time moms. Um, we only had one cesarean last year, so it was like, it gave me the statistic of 3%. Mm -hmm. um 60% of births were water births uh we only had two transports so it was seven percent mm -hmm. still zero percent pitocin use yeah. yay the average baby weight has gone down since last year it's eight percent now or eight percent it's eight <laughs> pounds <laughs> um it was like eight and a half huh. um so it must have had some peanuts born this mm -hmm. last year um we had four VBACs, 100% success rate, awesome. um, 19 boys and 18 girls. So wow. pretty even. And I feel like if my memory's right, every year it's like 50, one 50. off. Yeah, it's like pretty close. <laughs> um, seven documented hemorrhages by like based on estimated blood loss, but nobody transported, nobody needed Pitocin. Mm -hmm. um, three surprise breaches. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those are our, those were my stats for the last year. Um, we did, Allie and I did a hemorrhage webinar. A webinar. <laughs> webinar. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Do you, is there anything that you remember um, about that? webinar <laughs> I have some notes that I took um because my brain is like a goldfish now doesn't retain um yeah I, well I think the most we've talked about this like mm -hmm. the most interesting part was like how they how they see the statistics yeah and how, they means, how they interpret how they interpret right yeah because mm -hmm. they were presenting the data and both of us were like oh that's that means this and it's because of this but then they, they would, would say, oh, and it, it means else. this, and it's because of this, <laughs> like the complete opposite of where our brain went. We were like, wait, what? <laughs> um, and to give specifics, do you like, do you remember? Not exactly. Yeah, it was, it was. They're talking about like anticipating a hemorrhage, like yeah. midwives that preemptively did something like preventative measures for preventative measures if yes. they did preventative measures the women were more likely to, to hemorrhage. have a hemorrhage right and the way they were saying it is that midwives are like intuitively knowing that a hemorrhage is coming yeah and or you know yeah that that they are doing such a good job at recognizing the signs and being proactive right. that that the hemorrhage potentially would have been more Had if they, they hadn't. But, but when they were first saying the information, we were like, oh my God. So women midwives who are maybe more scared and right. are like more nervous and trying to be more proactive and, you know, yeah. more fearful of hemorrhage are potentially causing, causing it. <laughs> and that was not the conclusion they came to <laughs> so we we're like interesting <laughs> so it's funny how like the data can be skewed yeah or bias or yeah. how you yeah mm -hmm. who's looking yeah. at it um so some of the notes I took were um 
induction methods, even the more like quote unquote natural methods. Oh yes, all of them. Increased Anything. your risk of hemorrhage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote, if you're trying to prevent it, you're more likely to cause hemorrhage because that's what we took away. <laughs> or like chicken or the egg, you know, right. like I don't know how they can dig deeper into that to find out. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, um, what else? I think that was <laughs> the biggest thing we took I from mean, it. I mean, I guess I think even that that statistic of that even natural measures of mm -hmm. getting, trying to get labor to go increases risk of hemorrhage. Like, I just wonder why. Uh huh. Interesting. Yeah, because it like we've always a hormonal thing, or right? We've always known like women who are on pitocin in their labor long term, you know, right, are more likely to bleed. Um, but the, of the even, receptors in the brain and how pitocin yeah, interacts with our body compared to yes. oxytocin is different, which yes. makes sense to me, mm -hmm. but even like the natural things yes. like what a membrane sweep right, or right. castor I, oil, how does that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, hmm. don't, don't touch your nipples and yeah. like, like how, like what were all the natural methods? Yeah. You know? I don't know. Uh, I'm very curious. Yeah. Um, what else is on my checklist? Um, I went to Disneyland. Um, I was able to take time off call, um, and do our first planned vacation. Mm -hmm. Um, we did like an impromptu couple days to Tahoe once where I was like, I've got three days, let's go. Mm -hmm. Um, but we planned a trip to Disneyland and it was, it was amazing. Other than I still had this stupid cough. Um, and it, you have to like apologize publicly when you cough <laughs> in public. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it was great. I have um, a past client who's a Disney fanatic and she gave me amazing advice. We got a double stroller for my kids, even though they're seven and six, definitely the way to go. Mm -hmm. My husband's phone said we did 10 miles a day. It was like 24,000 steps. There's no way. No. We would have had to like take a lot more breaks. They would have just been whining. They probably have right. like shin splints. Yeah, <laughs> I actually have a memory of like in Disneyland having like shin splints or something oh, no. as a kid. Like I have a vague memory, but um, it was great. It was really great. My son, um, because of all his health conditions, we were able to get him a disability pass where we could on my app like sign up for a ride. And instead of waiting in line for an hour, they just would tell you to come back in an hour so we could do other things in the park instead of waiting in line. Mm -hmm. And then um, my dad had was in a wheelchair because um, he hasn't like fully recovered from COVID for his lungs. And so we'd come back at a certain time. And then because of the wheelchair, they just like move us through the exit onto the ride for the most part. So the first day we did like 18 rides or something, which is so epic. So great. And we just like, <laughs> I, I had more fun listening to my husband's reactions on the rides than my kids. He was so animated and he was even saying, he's like, I haven't had that much fun just like playing in a long time. Yeah. Um, so it was so good. Um, we had, we were exhausted and we had the best time. Mm -hmm. Um, I just had a birth recently with, um, our students, Angela and Nina. Um, it was her third baby and, she called me and 16 minutes later gave birth. So I was in the car on my way to her. Um, 
and daddy caught and we got there after and helped with the scent and all that but it was really sweet because the dad was like if we ever have another I know we can do this on our own and I was just like yes thank you mm -hmm. and he was saying how the other two births he felt uh what was the word he used he just didn't feel necessary at all you know that he just wasn't he didn't feel like he was a part of the experience you yeah. know he, his role was obsolete and, mm -hmm. and he just felt like you know he caught his baby yes yeah. he was just like glowing fully was, in it. yeah really cute to see um yeah and then I was listening to a um podcast recently I haven't done more research on this but have you heard that they're coming out with a GBS vaccine I heard about it mm -hmm. yes have what have you heard anything else just listening to the Dr. Stu mm -hmm. podcast yeah mm -hmm. so that's that's interesting I'm curious if anyone's listening to this what your thoughts are on the GBS vaccine whether you're a parent or provider. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then we're circling back to advice for beginning midwives. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I have advice, but I feel like I've already given it to you. <laughs> but I guess this is for the podcast. Um, I mean, was there any advice? I'm going to throw it back to you. Was there any uh, advice I gave you that you found really helpful so far? Um. I remember when somebody told me to keep track of all my births because you keep track during school, but then you kind of stop. Right. I remember feeling really grateful because I have kept track of every single birth I've attended. And I know exactly how many births I've attended. And it's fun to know that mm -hmm. I put it in my calendar on my phone and put some details and I just hit like repeat every year. So it'll, it'll pop up in my calendar and I can reflect on births I've been to in the past. I was looking to see if anyone was born today, but nobody was. Um, yeah. I wish that I had kept track. Yeah. Duly, right. I right. Yeah. Um, I think, well, for me, like I'm used to being on call from mm -hmm. doing doula work for so long. So that definitely is helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, but your advice of like having each day, set up so that I kind of because I have kids knowing like mm -hmm. what would happen in the sequence like if I were needing to go to a birth instead of like the day of then calling my people and mm -hmm. trying to figure it out yeah. um that it's more lined up yes and reduces a lot of stress mm -hmm. um yeah. And like every once in a while you might have to be you know more proactive have to kind of figure it out yeah but things. for the most part having it more set up right. than I had. Yeah. Was, like was if I ended up being gone for a week, it would be handled. Right. Yeah. I have it set up where it's like somebody would always have them at each point of the day mm -hmm. um, if I wasn't available. Right. Um, I remember to, um, you know, because we've been slowly tweaking this over time. And there were times where I learned what didn't work for me and what didn't work for me was any sort of attitude for my husband when I was leaving for right, birth right. or like any sort of awareness that he didn't have this handled or that he was stressed or anything like that yeah. like and while I was at a birth like I remember one time I can't remember if my it was my mom or it was probably my mom I think where she had let me know that my daughter she was probably like one and a half or two she had a fever mm -hmm. and 
I, my heart was so torn when I was at that birth, you know, I remember feeling like I wanted it to hurry up right. so I could get home to her and I yeah. was like, stop thinking that way, you know? And so I told them later, I was like, unless you're telling me something, cause you need me to come home. Like you need me to come, like, tell me when I get home. If there's nothing I can do, you know, like, don't tell me when I'm gone. Cause I can't have anything distracting me or making me want to like rush this process. Right. Um, so that was really helpful. Um, and then for a while, Spencer and I would check in after every birth, like what didn't work, mm-hmm. you know, like where do we need to still tweak things? And, um, yeah, that was really helpful. And we have it pretty, pretty dialed in now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember one time though, when my phone, I had it on silent, but I saw that, um, my mom was calling me and she knew I was at a birth cause I text them all heading to a birth. I'll let you know when the baby's born. Right. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> like yeah. they know the rule, you know, right. so it's, then what's happening. Yeah, yeah. And, um, my husband was helping her move an armoire and, uh, yeah. something shifted and it, uh, oh. cut off like, <gasps> like the whole pad of his thumb oh. and she's like I brought it with me should we sh- like should we go to the hospital and try to reattach it or like I was like oh my god oh. <laughs> I was like the, my mom's a really queasy person around blood too I'm like the fact that she picked up the pad of his thumb and brought it home <laughs> oh that's yeah. dedication well did they yeah. have to reattach it no they didn't and we um healed it really well and if anybody needs advice on that I have my husband like has heard almost everything she has it in a note I have a note (laughs) I have notes for everything um yeah so what else that was a hodgepodge of information today but the download yeah that's that's everything I have my uh, my notes are all checked off now I've talked about everything um yeah we're done. You've been informed. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time. Thanks. Thanks everybody for listening. You can find us at Bornwild Podcast on Instagram. For inquiries or feedback, you can email us at bornwildpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me, Emma Ray, on Instagram at Emma Ray, R-E-A, Sophia at sophiabirth.com and me, Leah, at Bay Area Home Births. We would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us reach more people. And as always, stay, stay wild. wild.